Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA draft analysis series, and today we're going to look at the Phoenix Suns. Now, Phoenix only has one pick in this year's draft, and it's the 10th overall pick. So they were able to secure a lottery pick, and they were, they were able to perform fairly well in the bubble. They went 8-0 in their eight-game stretch, although they weren't able to make the playoffs. Do you see any glaring hole that they have on the team so far? I mean, I have to be completely honest. I think, unfortunately, it has to be point guard. I mean, granted, there's a lot of different routes that you can go, but in terms of having a true facilitating point guard, Ricky Rubio was no slouch, but I just feel like they're missing something when it comes to their ability to really push the pace. Um, Javon Carter is more of a defensive stalwart. I really liked him coming out of West Virginia. Cameron Payne has been a journeyman point guard for a reason. He's kind of a guy who tends to always pick up his game towards the end of the season to give you that weird feeling that like, oh, Cameron Payne can turn into something. And then you see him at the beginning of the next season, you're like, oh, maybe not. Ellie Okobo has been a guy who's kind of just like, I don't know, in the fray with this team. You're kind of just waiting for him to kind of take off. And Ty Jerome is an older senior that really, you know, coming out of Virginia, I felt like it was more of a value pick than it was the fact that they necessarily wanted him to be some kind of point guard of the future type of thing. So I think that's really what they need. I think they really need some type of way to like change pace, really give this team full of athletes a a point guard that can really sling the ball around and help push the pace for the team and transitions and stuff. So I think I'm going to take a different direction on this one. I think they should target the small forward position, mainly because I feel like outside of Kelly Oubre, there's not a lot of depth at that position. And I kind of feel like maybe adding a guy like Aaron Neesmith out of uh, Vanderbilt or Sadiq Bay out of Villanova can really improve your chances, especially around the perimeter, given that they are two very solid three-point shooters. Aaron Neesmith, I mentioned with the Brooklyn episode, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the draft. Um, he averaged 23 points per game, shot 52% from three. Uh, he's also shown that he could be a good defender as well. Sadiq Bay, I also mentioned with the Minnesota episode, another solid three-point shooter. He shot 45% from three. I think he's got the ability to cover multiple positions on the floor. Now, Jalen, I just want you to imagine this. Imagine playing Devin Booker, Cameron Johnson, along with either Neesmith or Bay on the perimeter. That's a lot of scoring options on the floor. And considering that Phoenix has shown a lot of promise in the bubble, I think drafting one of these two guys, Sadiq Bay or Aaron Neesmith, I think they can become an even more dangerous team in the West. So I understand the scoring aspect, but the fact that you feel as though there's not that much depth at small forward, I guess the question would be like, do you have concerns about Mikael Bridges's, uh, Bridges's like uh, development? Because like, I mean, we saw a lot of them out in the seeding games um, in the bubble and a lot of the mainly I'll say more so the scrimmages in the bubble more than the seeding games themselves. But he's a guy who 
has had a lot of high praise over the last season. It's only two seasons removed from Villanova. And, I mean, I would still consider him a lot more of an established player on this team than a Cameron Johnson who was to this day still, I believe, selected extremely high in comparison to where he was mocked um, going into that draft. So, like, I guess my only thing is, like, where do you stand on Mikael Bridges if you feel as though they need to go the small forward route, knowing that, you know, in your heart of hearts, it seems like Kelly Oubre is first and then Cameron Johnson is kind of next in the mix. So I don't really have a lot of concerns with Mikel Bridges. I think mainly my only concern is just in general, scoring in general. I do think they need more options on the floor in order to contend in the West. I think Mikel Bridges is a solid player. He definitely fits into the scheme for Phoenix. I just think that they need more than just Mikel Bridges. I think they need more than just Devin Booker. Considering you're going up against great teams like Golden State, and I would say you know the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, all have solid shooters on their team. I think for Phoenix, if they're able to create a lineup with phenomenal shooters, that's how dangerous I think this team could be. I think this team could be very dangerous considering that Devin Booker's a great player. And then you add a guy like um, Aaron A. Smith or Sadiq Bey, they really add to the fact that you need to get more points. You need to score more. I think you need to improve on the perimeter. And that's something that I think Neesmith and Bay can provide. Bridges, though, I think he's a solid player. So I'm going to give my the pick that I think they should take at 10, and then I'm going to follow that up with a question in relation to what you mentioned specifically about small forward before we kind of take a little bit further look at their depth in terms of the power forward and center position. So the, the player that I think they should take at 10 is Killian Hayes. Um, I was talking about having a point guard that pushes the pace um, a guy who's open facilitator can create his own shot. I think this is a guy who can average 15 and seven. I think I've said this in the past on this podcast. Um, I think he is just the kind of guy that this team needs. I think he also fits the timeline a little bit better than what Ricky Rubio does. I feel like Ricky Rubio is very serviceable, but my concerns with him is just his inconsistencies. Um, it's really funny. Um, he started to become a three-point shooter after leaving Minnesota. It was almost like you could tell that the the doubt that Minnesota had about him pretty much from the minute they drafted him was like a weight off of his shoulders from the minute he left that team. And he's been an improved three-point shooter, but I just don't know if he's the kind of dynamic two three level score two to three level scorer that they need at the point guard position specifically in the western conference like i think that's the part that really gets me and devin booker is a guy who averaged seven assists this past season himself so i don't think i'm necessarily considered about the ability to facilitate i think this literally just comes down to having a backcourt that can hang and ricky rubio i just don't know if he's a part of that when devin booker's the other guy when we're talking about that like we're talking about one guy who's extremely dynamic, and then another guy who shows flashes of being dynamic. I feel like Killian Hayes is somewhere right in the middle of both of those, and it could be extremely dangerous. Now, my follow-up question in terms of the small forward position, because that's the one that you honed in on in terms of this draft. There has been speculations, rumors, things brought up in terms of this team looking to acquire a guy like Chris Paul. Now that debunks my need in terms of needing to grab a guy like Killian Hayes at point guard 
to be able to push the pace, help with facilitating and create his own shot, be a dynamic backcourt mate to Devin Booker. But it's sounding like the deal is going to require guys like Kelly Oubre in the trade. So with that being the case, do you think that only heightens the level of necessity at the small forward position? Or do you think by adding a guy like Chris Paul that there actually might be even more need to touch on the big man spots to give him a pick and roll partner or something of that nature? Yeah, I think with a guy like Chris Paul, you have to surround – if you end up getting Chris Paul, you have to surround him with the best players to fit the offensive scheme. I think that in that case, they do need to focus on either – the forward position or the center position. I think the trade assets to acquire a guy like Chris Paul, like we said in the Oklahoma city episode, I originally said a first and a second round pick. I would probably have to throw in Cameron Johnson in that deal as well. I think honestly, there's a lot of guys on this roster that are trade assets. Um, I did mention, you know, Cameron Johnson, Kelly Oubre, I would also probably throw in a guy like Aaron Baines because Aaron Baines came out of nowhere uh, the start of the season and was shooting phenomenally from beyond the arc. So he's definitely a trade asset in there as well. I would also maybe say Ricky Rubio, if you're going to get a guy like Chris Paul and trade for a point guard, I would just trade your point guard to Oklahoma City considering that you're getting their point guard in Chris Paul. Um, I think my question to you, Jalen, would be, if the Suns end up getting Chris Paul, what does this do for their team? I mean, genuinely, I feel like it still puts them in a weird position in terms of where they rank amongst the best teams in the Western Conference, just out of the fact that the West is just scary deep, regardless of you look at it. I mean, Ryan, let's, let's put something in perspective, because this is one of our favorite teams during the bubble we both like made that extremely clear during that stretch so like I want to take I want everybody to take what I say with a grain of salt but let's let's just go down the list right Los Angeles Lakers Los Angeles Clippers Golden State Portland Denver Nuggets Utah I'm at six teams already Memphis I mean it, 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 it gets ugly OKC is still in the mix I feel like just out of the fact that they they are scary. The Rockets, like, mind you, in all of that, I still have not mentioned the Dallas Mavericks. I still have not mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, I mean, I, I could even go as far as the Pelicans or the Spurs out of the fact that those are two teams that do look very dangerous with their young cores. Like, this is, you can literally go eight deep and you still might be missing teams that could be crucial in the overall playoff picture. So I think the Suns, if they were 10th last season without Chris Paul, I genuinely believe that their ceiling is eighth with Chris Paul, which I don't know what that necessarily does for them, right? Because in a situation where they may go up against the Lakers in round one, they have the big men in Aaron Baines, um, specific Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton specifically to kind of be able to hang with an AD, for example, and they would have a little bit of a lead in the point guard department or at least the backcourt department. But does that necessarily mean that they, they are talented enough to outlast a large Los Angeles Lakers team that, that is coming off of a championship? So it's kind of like the ceiling is the eighth seed, but like the ceiling is also the moon kind of like, 
it seems like they're in a, a really weird and interesting spot because I really like Kelly Oubre as a player. And I think for like future core purposes, I think he fits really well, but getting a guy like Chris Paul is a win now situation. And it's kind of like, but are you though? You know what I mean? I thought Kelly Oubre was solid at Washington. And then I think he only, he only grew as a player going to Phoenix. I think with Phoenix really becoming a surprise team in the West, I don't think anybody was expecting them not only to be 10th in the West, but to be invited back in the bubble and then win eight straight in the bubble. Um, so it's, it's weird because like you said, they're in a weird spot where I don't know if they're a team that's ready to win now or are they con- trying to build a contending team so that they can win eventually. Um, and that's the weird thing for me because like, if you get a guy like Chris Paul, yes, I think Phoenix makes the playoffs. I think Phoenix is a playoff team. If you don't get Chris Paul, I still kind of feel like Phoenix is a playoff team. If you look at some of the some of the players, a lot of them are really talented. I mentioned Mikel Bridges, uh, Devin Booker, um, DeAndre Ayton, who's had who's shown a lot of flashes, Aaron Baines early on in the season last year, Kelly Oubre, who's that spark of energy and is very intense player on the Phoenix Suns. I mean, there's a lot of talented players on this team, and especially considering that you get the 10th overall pick to continue to build on this team. Like I said, I think there's a lot of promise with a team like Phoenix. Um, It's just weird just thinking about and hearing the news that Chris Paul could possibly be a Phoenix Sun because that was almost one of the last places that I thought he would go. Um, Considering that Phoenix is a borderline playoff team, um, even though I still feel like next season they have a lot of promise to become a playoff team. It's just interesting because I figured when I heard Chris Paul's name, I was thinking, you know, maybe he would go to Milwaukee. I would think I was thinking maybe he could go to the Clipper, go back to the Clippers. Um, it's just interesting to hear that he was brought up in, brought up in trained rumors with the Phoenix Suns of all teams. I mean, I guess it just shows you how win now they are with the fact that Devin Booker is on the clock in terms of how much longer they're going to be able to keep a guy like him around. I do think the other thing is it kind of shows you that they're willing to address a positional need. Let's also touch on the relationship with Monty Williams that was his coach when he was in New Orleans. So, I mean, that is a huge connection as well in terms of bringing a guy like that in because there is some rapport with the coach and an understanding of his system to a certain extent already. So all those things kind of help as well. But Ryan, you know, one of the better things I want to kind of like touch on too before we move on to, you know, what our usual final question to wrap up stuff is, um, this team has some really interesting depth at the power forward and center position, basically all around the front court, but in a way that I can't really say I'm super confident in, it's kind of like, you know, DeAndre Aiden, Aaron Baines, first two names to come up and for good reason, but their depth is Dario Saric, Frank Kaminsky, and Tariq Owens. I just don't know if that's a fillable space for a team like this to be able to really, you know, thrive in the front court moving forward if they want to be a perennial playoff team. My question to you, man, is, is this a situation where you try to put yourself in position to trade up to grab an Onyeka Okongwu out of USC or maybe take a flyer mile and maybe reach a little early 
and take a guy like Alexei Pokustevsky at power forward, who is a very unicorn-esque player himself, and address that that power forward center depth with on one end on Yeka Okungu, who is more defensive oriented, or a guy like Alexei Pokusevsky, who has all the tools as an offensive threat at what seven foot two, seven foot three. I mean, is is that something that you could see them potentially going after, considering that the there's there is an interesting lack thereof kind of depth on on in those specific positions. I think it's interesting that you brought up Oklahoma City because we just talked about Chris Paul a couple of seconds ago. And I just kind of thought of this as well because I know Oklahoma City has the 25th overall pick. If you want to trade all the way back to 25 so that Oklahoma City can get to the 10th no, overall Onyeka pick. No, Onyeka Nkongwu. My bad. Oh, sorry. Okay. sorry. Onyeka no. trade up for Onyeka Nkongwu. I was talking about uh, trading back to get Pokusevsky. Oh, you think they can get them that low? Okay, interesting. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My bad. So I'm thinking, yeah, one one of two ways that I think they can go and grab a center. Of course, you mentioned Onyeka Kongwu, who's one of the top centers in this draft, um, and rightfully so. I mean, he's, he's an absolutely great player. But I think the interesting philosophy that Phoenix could take is by trading back to the 25th overall pick to grab a guy like Alexei Pokusevsky. Um Again, I think that would have to – I could probably tie it in and that, that, in that sense to trade a guy like Chris Paul. Um, maybe if you get a guy like Chris Paul that satisfies your point, your, your lack of depth at point guard. So then you're able to trade back to get a guy like Alexei Pokusevsky with the 25th overall pick. So I know it's kind of like a uh, okay, trade simulator, but – I think there's a I think there's a real possibility that Phoenix could trade back to 25 to get Alexei Pokusevsky and then still end up getting Chris Paul. I think that would almost scary enough be a, a best case scenario is to still be able to get Chris Paul and trade back within that draft class. Um, I do think that it is a little bit of a win-win situation in terms of the fact that Oklahoma City would have a top 10 pick in this year's draft, um, which I think is pretty huge. Um, considering they're a younger team that looks more like they might end up being forced into a rebuild with the fact that Chris Paul may be on the move. Danilo Gallinari is a guy who would pretty much sounds like he'll sign for less to go to a playoff championship level contender. Um, this is a team that could be hitting the reset button and being able to move up from 25 to 10 in this draft class where the lottery is going to be very, very crucial, I feel like. I think that actually could be a win-win scenario. Being able to pull off a guy like Alexi Pokustevsky later on within that time frame as well um, in terms of, you know, just his overall fit on this Phoenix team. I think it could be actually kind of interesting. So let's, let's pose that question that you were talking about earlier about draft philosophy. Um, so what do you believe the draft philosophy is for the Phoenix Suns, considering that they had a lot of success in the bubble and how they're going to be able to translate it into next season? I mean, I think it's I think it's simple, right? I think the main thing is that you get guys who can play now. I think this idea of developing young talent, I think Phoenix is like 
low-key over it. You know what I'm saying? Phoenix has been a developing team for forever, it feels like. It seems like they've been developing since Steve Nash left, and, like, that's saying a ton considering the circumstances. So I just genuinely think that they need to go in and grab a guy who can instantly play. I think you talking about addressing the – the the small forward position and getting a guy like Aaron Neesmith, I think that would be huge. I think getting a guy like Killian Hayes, I think that would be huge. I think trading back and being able to add to your depth and get a guy like Alexei Pokusevsky, who is a little bit of a developmental project, but coming off the bench can kind of be a guy who can get put in actions and get plays ran for him to kind of get him acclimated and just show, showcase truly what his skill sets are. I think they need to worry specifically about being able to put guys on the court that can produce because this idea of kind of playing the field, the West is only getting harder. And the longer you spend trying to develop, the more you're wasting Devin Booker's prime as well, which that is something that as we move through the last five years or so, guys are not as, as as soft-spoken as they may have been in the past, this is a guy who could easily see in the next two to three years, regardless of what kind of culture is being built up, he could be a guy that we see he already doesn't get the kind of all-star superstar um, discussion that he deserves, and it has a lot to do with him being in Phoenix. I don't know. This is just strictly speculation, but I tr- truly don't know how much longer he's going to be able to stick around in Phoenix if they don't at least start asserting themselves as being a part of the mix when it comes to the Western conference. So I think the biggest thing is getting a guy who can step in and play right away. They only got one pick in this draft. They got to make it count. Yeah. And I think touching on all your points about Devin Booker, I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA right now. And I think that Phoenix needs to capitalize on his prime. Like you were saying. Um, And honestly, look, if they got, if they get a guy like Chris Paul, Devin Booker could reach the playoffs for the first time in his career. So I feel like there's a chance that with Chris Paul, they can make the playoffs. Without Chris Paul, they can make the playoffs. They have the 10th overall pick. If they want to move back to get Alexei Pokusevsky at 25, they could. If they wanted to trade up, I feel like they're going to have to give up a lot more capital. But I wouldn't rule it out. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what do you believe the draft philosophy of the Phoenix Suns will be going into draft night. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.